Welcome to a single serving podcast. This is where we change the discussion around being single into one that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Shaney Silver. I'm the author of the Refinery29 series, Every Single Day. I'm also a writer based in Brooklyn who's been single for 11 years. I think that being single has ruined enough of my life for enough of my life, and I know I'm not alone. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to a single serving podcast. I'm your host, Shaney Silver, and with me today is Marissa Diaz. She is the head of TV and film development for Lena Dunham's production company, Good Thing Going. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Um, so I'm originally um, from San- I'm originally from San Antonio, Texas. Um, over the last 10 years, I've been living between New York and LA. New York feels like my second home, though. Um, like you said, I write uh, and produce for Lena Dunham's company, um, but I do have this alter ego online between Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, her name is Marissa Conqueso, and she is a um, ex-rodeo pageant queen who oh was communicated from um, The Crown when, she, when a really embarrassing sex tape of hers was leaked. So she created this um, YouTube channel called Video Killed the Rodeo Star to get back at all the people who ever wronged her. And it's essentially required viewing. I just want to point that out. It's fantastic. Um, We are both from Texas. We are both obsessed with the rodeo and Selena. So we have so much in common already. I feel like this is going to be a good discussion. Yeah, exactly. I'm so excited. And where is, I, I didn't ask you before, where are you from in Texas? I am originally from Fort Worth and yeah. I went to college in Austin and I miss Texas all the time, really. Um mm-hmm so much but I try to get back there like two or three times a year because I have family and friends and whatnot and um you know the air just smells better there because I live in Brooklyn and the air does not smell so amazing here yeah Um, so just to get back oh you know what and I really miss um what I've been missing the most is blue bonnet season that is so funny I just had a friend who said that she wanted to like was harassing her mother to like take her in the middle of nowhere to um to take photos with blue bonnets, but I have to admit that like, I'm not sure that I've ever seen a real blue bonnet in my life. (laughs) I have seen them in the wild, but it's like something you have to do very on purpose. You have, it's a very purposeful ordeal to pull over on the side of the freeway and like stick your dog or your child in a field of blue bonnets. But it's one of the the best things ever um, about being from Texas. And I miss it so much. Oh yeah. I, I know that I've like grown up seeing everyone take these photos and I definitely see them with my friends. Um, who still live in Texas um, in Blue Bonnet Fields, but I'm kind of like, where did you go to find those? But yeah, like I know that they're like on the side of the road and there's fields of them. I just, yeah. I just think that there's maybe not a ton of them in San Antonio. Also a possibility. Also, yeah. a possibility. I'm slightly North Texas and you are more Central Texas, so there could yeah. be a bit of a Blue Bonnet imbalance. Apologies. How dare you? Anyway, so. You and I share singleness in common, and I think we also both share sort of a humorous approach to the, you know, darkest parts of it as well. Um, So I wanted to just ask a few questions to maybe, you know, share our perspectives with people who are listening who, um, you know, feel that darkness and maybe aren't able to translate it into humor the same way that we are. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first thing I want to ask is, so you're through your social media, through YouTube, um, you approach being single with this effortlessness and fearlessness that, that just comes through in a way that is so funny and so real. And, um, I'm just wondering like, you know, where does your, where does your attitude and your humor about being single, where does that come from? 
Yeah. Well, I think that I've, I've thought about this a little bit and I think that a lot of it has to do with sort of how I was brought up. I was brought up in this really conservative, um, conservative Christian community, the kind of thing where like I was made to go to church every Sunday and I was involved in youth group and like anything that ever could exist with the church. I was volunteering. I was very involved. Um, So while I enjoyed that in some way socially, I always had a different perspective on the world and how one should maybe live their lives than the people at church. And they were really um, oppressive about dating. I remember being in like children's choir for for um this church and the person like the mom or whatever who volunteered to run it said that she refused to let her older children date because it was practice um for divorce so i (laughs) yeah i remember thinking it was crazy as a child but now thinking that like you know a 50 year old woman is saying this to like you know three to eight year old is kind of just blows my mind anyway all of that is to say that I sort of grew up in this community where they took marriage and relationships so seriously and they were so precious about them that when I was able to finally get outside of that and live my life and be away from my family and um, define a future for myself. I was like, I really don't care about any of that. And I want to figure out what it looks like to navigate love and dating in a way that has nothing to do with this religious community. Um, so I think it's about like adopting since that time, a sort of a reverence toward love and dating and relationships and just yeah. like not taking it as seriously as I was told that I should maybe. I love that. I think that's so relevant, whether you have been raised you know, with this extremely conservative background or not, there is that seriousness and that weight. And Mm -hmm. it's definitely compounded for you and your background. Like I think the, the seriousness and the heaviness of dating and the massive amount of importance that are put around finding your partner and getting married and, you know, kind of simultaneously ignoring that, yeah, there's a huge divorce rate too. (laughs) You know, it sort of glosses over that and instead, you know, focuses on, corralling us rodeo term toward (laughs) toward partnering up and um and sort of not being a single person because being the single person is the thing that you shouldn't be Um, yeah absolutely so heavy it's so heavy I totally get that I also was not allowed to date when I was a teenager but that was centered way more around my mom wanting me to be more career focused and school focused and all of that um well that's so I mean it's interesting that you had sort of like the opposite. Cause I like, that was not ever something that was, you know, wished for me. It was sort yeah. of like, like for me, it was kind of like, I guess she's going to go to college if you know, she's going to do it. Like, you know, it was sort <laughs> of like begrudged kind of a thing. So it, it's sort of exciting to meet another person from Texas who was like encouraged to be career focused. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, my background is I came, I'm from a Jewish family and um, I had a single mom growing up and her, her goal for me was really to be able to take care of myself and to not need anyone else to be able to take care of myself. And I think that's honestly a lot of where my attitude comes from is that extreme independence that I was raised with and I'm very grateful for it. Um, But then Mm -hmm. on the flip side of that, once you do have a career and you're able to, you know, pay your own rent and pay your own bills, it's not like you're assigned a husband. There's like, exactly. great deal of of dating experience that you need to acquire and I um I was a bit of a late bloomer in that world but honestly I think we all kind of arrive at arrive at everything at our own pace anyway um yeah. but yeah I love I love flipping the heaviness on its head 
like mm-hmm. while also wearing a rodeo queen wig i feel like that's a good move that's such a good move i <laughs> I'm so excited for everyone listening to this to check out your YouTube because it's just going to delight you. It really is just going to delight you and light you up. And I hope, um, I hope everyone does that immediately. Um, you know, I hope so. It was kind of, I mean, the idea of the entire thing is sort of like, you know, what would it be like if I was everything that like people back home worry I am, you know, <laughs> what if I was this loud mouth slut who's sleeping with all the wrong men and really, and like getting HPV and like what, you know, so, and like, maybe, you know, it, I, whatever, like all of the things that people have ever said that's horrible about me, whether it be like my mom's friends in church club or like quilting club, or like my grandmother who called me a slut when I was 13. Like, what if I was all of those things? Um, but also still a girl from Texas. So like, I think that was sort of the genesis of the craziness. But yeah, I hope people enjoy her. Oh, we do. Oh, we okay. do. <laughs> Don't you worry about that at all. We absolutely enjoy her. And the fact that she's from Texas makes me endlessly happy. Mm-hmm. Um, also, fun fact, I promise this whole podcast won't be about Texas if you're listening. Although, you know what? Maybe it is. Who cares? Maybe it um, will be. Maybe it will be. So are you familiar with Homecoming Moms? Um, yeah, absolutely. I used to make them in high school for my friends. And then I people who like, just love my designs would have to pay me 20 bucks for me to make that theirs. Can I pay you to make me one now? Because <laughs> I never had a homecoming mom ever. I was never asked a homecoming. Don't cry for me. I'm fine. But like, yeah. I never had a homecoming mom. And as a Texan, you understand, like, that yes. was a big deal. And a big, Major. it was almost like a, a a rite of passage that I just never got to participate in. And it also like, I've been thinking about it a lot as, as I've been um, putting this podcast together and writing for refinery 29, like how um, that a homecoming mom in Texas was the symbol that somebody liked you and somebody wanted to invite you to the homecoming dance and the football game and all of that. And I never had that. So there's this feeling of like lack and unwantedness that comes from this, grotesquely adorned fake white flower that has actual cowbells dangling from it. Can you please for the non-Texas audience explain to them what a homecoming mom is? Yes, I can. Okay. So um, at its core, a homecoming mom is a white, circular, fluffy, fake flower. And um, surrounding the flower in a halo are ribbons and um, charms and things stuck to it. And then dangling from the underside of the flower are as many ribbons and bells and charms as it will (laughs) hold. And over the years, as one might imagine, they've gotten kind of intense. So what used to be a flower that could be pinned to a woman's shirt is now hung from her neck and weighs I don't know, 40 pounds. Oh, I didn't know that. It's, they've gotten so out of hand and so intense and I love them so much. And if you're not from Texas, if you've never seen this, they're an eyesore. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. Yeah. But um, they're very, very dear to my heart and they're a very uh, sweet thing in my mind that I never got to participate in. So if you create homecoming moms and you're out there and you want to uh, make a 36 year old's day, get in touch because <laughs> it's really, it's still really important to me. So. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's so funny because I literally have not thought about a homecoming mom in 10 years. Like I couldn't, I could not. It's so funny that you bring it up because I have not thought about it in ages. Um, but you're right. In high school, it was very much like a status symbol, a symbol that someone loved and cared about you. And like 
the amount of money they were willing to spend as a high school student on you. So you are so right. The thing though is like, do they even have, like, I wonder if I could even make a mom in California if I wanted to. I don't know, but that is hilarious. <laughs> That's what Amazon's for. If you want to do it, it can be done. I'm telling you. Right. There are resources yeah. for everything. Right. Um, cool. So I will stop talking about fake flowers and yeah. we'll move on to a question that actually came in from a listener. So yeah. the question that came in is, dating is exhausting. How do I keep going without feeling like a failure? I have so many thoughts on this, but I would like to hear yours. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know that I have the answer for everyone. I know that I have the answer for me, which is that like, I have so many friends that are on all of the apps and like are constantly swiping, constantly on dates, going on bad first dates, figuring figuring out how to leave after the first drink, like all of these sorts of things. And I have always just been a person who just refuses to go on an app. I just won't do it. So, and that is truly for like a mental health thing of like, I, you know, being rejected in real life is like exhausting as it is like in work, in your social life with, of course, men that you meet in person. Like I don't need to be rejected by some douchebag who lives in like Murray Hill and (laughs) works in finance. Like I don't need it. You know, like I've never seen him. Like I don't need that in my life right now. Like I have other things to do. So I think part of it is just for me, at least the most, um, like healthy mental thing that I need to do for myself and being single is like, just like not being on apps. Like I just, I, I refuse to do it. You know, never say never at some point that may be something that I am interested in, but that's been huge for me. Um, yeah, you've and- identified your boundaries and you're like, you're framing, yeah. you're framing your own approach to dating for something that is very tailored to you, which I think is, is extremely insightful. Yeah. And, and then I guess like, so, you know, it, then it leaves a situation. It's like, I'm also just like a romantic person. Like I grew up, you know, watching um, Sweet Home Alabama and um, the wedding planner and loving those things. So like, I'm still a sucker for the beautiful meet cute. And so in a way in my life, I'm still searching for that. I haven't fully gotten to a point where I'm like, totally fine being single. <laughs> like I still at some point want that in my life. But So there is something a little bit fun about, you know, existing in the world being like, and this is probably going to like drive you crazy, Shani, but of the like, you never know, which I (laughs) write about all the time, but I'm sort of like still in in the hopeful phase, like maybe at some point it'll happen. I don't think you ever have to lose hope ever, ever. I I am 100% content and happy being single, but I still very, very much retain hope and optimism, not only that I'm going to be in a relationship one day, but that it is going to be a good story because, you know, my grandparents have an amazing story. My mom and my stepfather have a great story. I get one too. And I think that we're allowed to be at whatever comfort level we are with being single and still retain all the hope and optimism for everything that we want. I think that we deserve it. And honestly, I I think that it's coming. So we have that to look forward to. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, so I think it's, it's part of it is like not being on apps and refusing to be on apps at this stage of my life. But also just like when you meet a person in real life, it's like not, you know, putting all of the eggs in the basket and just being like, you know what? I sort of think about dating as uh, sort of flipping my experience of like a high school student on its head of sort of like 
getting back at all of the men and all, <laughs> all the horrible <laughs> things they did to me when I was like, you know, 14 or whatever. I'm yeah. just like, you know, like, I'm not really going to pick up my phone. And like, you know, when you call and I'm doing something else, if it's like, not an emergency, like, I'm not really interested. Like, I'll get back, I'll text you back whenever it's convenient for me. But like, I'm not moving, you know, mountains. No. No, to communicate yeah. with you and that has so or to see you like and so much of the pressure of dating for me has been taken off by just like not caring as much being like I'm not going to allow myself to care about dating so much in a way that is going to de- like yeah you're so good at that you are so good at saying no and you're so good at not thinking that you have to do every single thing at all times I think with Um, with feeling like a failure and with feeling exhausted, a lot of that comes from being in a culture of you have to work as hard as possible all the time, no matter what the task is in order to at everything, at everything, not just at work, everything, you have to work as hard as possible for as long as possible, no matter what, no matter what it does to you. And as it relates to dating specifically, although this does translate to our professional lives, but as it relates to dating, you don't have to work as hard as humanly possible, because this is a space where this is this space more than any other is a space where effort does not necessarily match result. And Mm -hmm. so if you're feeling exhausted, if you're feeling like a failure, first of all, you're not a failure, but I totally get that we're tired. Um, Pull back, just pull back. You Mm -hmm. don't have to do everything. You don't have to exhaust yourself. You can pull back without feeling like you're missing opportunity. I promise you're not. We've, We've kind of been societally trained to think that if we don't do everything, we are missing something and then our own singleness is all our fault. But mm-hmm. I don't think that being single is something that has fault assigned to it. I think that it's actually a good thing. I know I'm kind of out there in the wings on that, but I like to think I make a pretty good case for it. It isn't a bad thing and it isn't something that you can fail at. I think those feelings of failure come from outside of ourselves, although they can certainly come from within for sure. I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to discount that feeling, but um, the exhaustion is what I really want to speak to. And I really want to build up this listener and, and certainly anyone else who's listening, build up that confidence that you're allowed to not do things and it's totally fine. And you're not missing opportunities. You're simply taking care of yourself. And if you want to think about it long-term, like, you know, that is going to make you somebody who is a better partner, somebody who takes care of themselves and who identifies when they need to pull back from something and when they need to preserve themselves instead of just completely burning out on all cylinders. Right. And I think that's something that you write about super well. I don't know if it was this last article that you wrote or maybe you never know before. Yeah, but it's the, yes, exactly. The, you never know concept, which is, which I think you get to in such a great way, which is that like, we're constantly being told like, and this is contrary to what I said earlier, of course, but it's like, you know, you have to go to this bar, you have to go to this networking thing because you never know who's going to be there. You have to be at this, like, if you're working from home, work from a cafe because you never know. And I think that that can create such an insane level of anxiety at all times when you're just trying to chill the fuck out and like yeah. watch a half hour of Veep. And so I think <laughs> what, what you do so great in your writing is sort of being like, take the pressure off. Like, being single isn't something, isn't an illness that you need to. Exactly. To yeah. Exactly. Like, oh and, it's, and life is exhausting and it's okay to be tired and that doesn't make you a failure. So um, I also think that, that listeners should be reading You Never Know. 
Thank you. And I will put a link to it in, uh, you know, below this podcast, wherever that lives. I don't know, guys, I'm new. Um, (laughs) I'm doing my best here. Um, So one other thing that has been brought to my attention via your social media is you have a neighbor that um, I need some more information on. Uh, Marissa, if you don't follow her, you will after this. She has a rather nosy neighbor that goes beyond what I would consider like my level of patience. So I'd like for you to tell everybody a little bit about her and you know how she's how she's contributed to your um to your thoughts on your single existence. Yeah. So I have this so I lived I just moved to LA maybe less than a year now and June will be a year. So I've been used to sort of like New York neighbors who you kind of see in the hallways. Sometimes you wave to, sometimes you don't every now and then they do you a solid and buzz you into the building when you've forgotten your keys. But like, you know, are pretty like you don't ever speak to them. And you're pretty much of a a solitary creature. And then I moved to LA and there's this neighbor who, of course, she's like right next door to me. Um, She's fully like a 70 year old Hasidic Jewish woman, lives alone, don't really know her story, but she could, she could be a widow, but she could also just be like a 70 year old plus single woman. Like, you know, who knows, right? But she is on my dick 24-7. Like, it is nonstop. <laughs> so this first started when I was moving in. I had um, I had to install a window unit in my apartment. And I have to install it in sort of like in the front window, which she's walking. Past. Every morning she walks out of her apartment and walks outside the front of my apartment back and forth, pacing, reading the Torah. Um, and this is not a joke. And so she like looks into my apartment every morning to kind of like see what I'm up to. Am I getting ready? Did I just get out of the shower? The whole thing. So she was complaining about the placement of where I put, um, the AC unit. And then she complains about the fact that I don't water my plants as often as I should. So they die outside and that's very upsetting to her. Okay. And then one time I brought home this beautiful, um, I think it's called um, Anthurium, Mm -hmm. but those like really beautiful waxy looking red, um, red flowers that you see like in Glossier ads. Anyway, so I brought it in, I left it on my doorstep because I needed to repot it, whatever. And I was going outside to get it. And of course she was out there. Um, This is such a beautiful plant. I was like, oh, thank you so much. She's like, who sent it to you? And I was like, oh, no, I, I just I bought it myself. And she's like, oh, that's sad. I've been waiting all this time to have someone love you. Oh, like, OK. And I was like, OK, you know what, girl, I got to go. Like, it's just like every moment, it's sort of like when I was installing the AC, it's like that looks really heavy. That looks really hard. You know, it'd be easier if you had a man to help you do that. So it's sort of this thing of like, you know, not even my mother sort of shames me for being single in the way that Perla, my next door neighbor, shames me constantly for being single and alone. I feel like you are her, you are her television program. Like she (laughs) talks to you as many people would scream at the television, but she's just doing it in person. Meanwhile, I really hope she can hear this. I'm 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 super into that. That's the thing I'm a little self-conscious about because I I (laughs) am in my living room right now and I'm kind of like, can she hear me? So I mean, I guess the good part is that her hearing isn't great these days. So I think we might be safe. But she very much reminds, I try to compare her to, you know, a TV character that we all know. And if you are fans of Bewitched, 
She reminds me of the nosy neighbor, Gladys Kravitz, who Ooh. would always there was like weird stuff happening, like witchcraft happening in her next door neighbor's house. And she would come over and, and make sure everything was on the up and up and sometimes see, her, see some weird stuff. But she was never able to convince the community that there was a witch living next door to her. Um, so I feel like I'm the witch living next door to Perla. I feel like you're doing her a great service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's so funny. It's so funny that you um, mentioned her because you were not the first person who was asking me about her. So it is interesting that she has touched so many souls. She has. I mean, she needs an Instagram. Let's start there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just like photos of her meandering by your window every single day. I, you really take it with such a positive attitude because if I feel like some, if somebody was inserting themselves into my life in this manner, I would get so rude so fast, and I would immediately yeah. regret everything that came out of my mouth. But it would be too late. Um, yeah. I guess it's like she's kind of like old, you know, she's definitely very old. She obviously, you know, is home all day and she doesn't have a, a bunch going on. So in a lot of ways, I feel bad for her. And I'm kind of like, though she's shaming me, I think she just wishes that. I think she thinks that if I had a boyfriend, I would be happier, which, you know, maybe I would be. I don't know. So like, <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. But I think, so, yeah. so I think it comes from like, a genuine place like she does want me to be happy she just doesn't know how to deliver the message do you know what I mean of course it's it's also kind of generational there wasn't a whole lot of um you know there weren't any uh podcasts discussing the positives of being single when Perla was dating I wish there had been but um I hope she still had a very pleasant dating experience but yeah a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the single shaming that is intended to be encouraging or supportive um just isn't and I think a lot of that comes from generational gap it comes from maybe just never hearing the other side of things um right and so it can come across as if it came from a good place but it's still that doesn't matter it still stings and it's still it's still extremely hurtful to hear and very unfair um yeah but I feel like maybe you might be educating Perla a bit on what single life looks like and how it's great. And I think it's fantastic that you can buy yourself all the plants that you want. I also, by the way, love your home decor hauls because (laughs) it's so much fun. You can just buy larger furniture than I can. So I'm extremely jealous of the round Uh, table. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing that's been really exciting about living in LA is that I have lots of furniture now like I have a big I I, and I also went from a point in my life where I had all Ikea furniture to now I just have like touches of Ikea furniture right or like big moment that is such a big moment (laughs) or like I'm buying the more like elevated you know Ikea piece you know instead of like the $500 Ikea couch I'm buying the like $1,000 Ikea so there Uh. have been some upgrades in my life but there's also like I have more room to DIY so I bought this table and set of chairs um at a flea market here and then I painted them all different colors because I want it to look like a Mexican restaurant in my apartment so like you know there's just been fun projects so good I love it I love your projects they inspire me so much and someday when I can have a real dining room table I'm going to take lessons from you so I'm just wondering um I like asking this of people what is your least favorite part about being single this is a really good one. Um, I'm going to go with the traditional one, which I've been saying since I'm literally 18, which is when I first moved to New York, 
Um, I was moving to a place where, you know, you just walk everywhere. Like everything you do is walking. So I had never gone, you know, grocery shopping. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I know this well. As, you know, as a young person, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it was like the first time I went grocery shopping and I was like, you know, I didn't have a ton of money. I was in college and I was like, I guess everyone says that like Trader Joe's is like the place to go. We didn't have Trader Joe's in Texas at the time. So I was like, I guess I'll go to Trader Joe's at Union Square and then like walk home. And then of course, like, I don't know what it's like. I've never experienced walking home with groceries my entire life. So of course, like the day that I go, New York being shitty in the way that it is in terms of weather, like I leave Trader Joe's with my paper bags and it starts raining. Oh, no. Oh, that's not fair. Oh. So then it's raining and the bags are like disintegrating in my hands. The I bought too much because I didn't know how heavy it was going to feel, you know, 10 minutes into the walk. Um, the bags are disintegrating. There's oranges that are falling onto like the concrete. And oh. I just sort of burst into tears. I'm like, why is this so hard? So I remember going home for the first, you know, um, holiday break. And just kind of crying to my mom, like, I just want a boyfriend because I want someone to help me carry my groceries. And she's like, are you okay? Like, (laughs) what is going on? But to me, it's like, it's like the small shit like that. Like, of like, I hate having to like load in groceries by myself. I hate having to like, get out the ladder and change my light bulb on my like ceiling fixture by myself. It's like the small shit like that, that I that drives me nuts. I maintain that it's the everyday menial tasks yes. that are too small to call a friend for, but too yes. big to do alone. That's the rough part about being single is sometimes you just need another pair of hands or somebody who's not scared to climb a ladder. Like sometimes you just need that shit. And when it's not yes. around, that can sting. But I think if I think every single woman who's listening to this has that oranges rolling down the sidewalk moment where you've just kind of <laughs> caved man where you just have to you have to be sad in that moment you oh, have to God. feel it it's fine will, to feel it you know absolutely I will never forget that moment I think it might have been like the first time I cried in New York the first of many cries in New York <laughs> we um, cry a lot here we, we yeah, tend to you, cry you really do. and like certainly and like the first time I ever cried on the street in New York which you know I did many of thousands of times later, but because we have no private place to cry and no one understands that. Yes. And like, I think, and you probably know where it's from, but I feel like someone wrote an article maybe like five to seven years ago about this epidemic of like people crying on New York city streets, just because like New York city is our living room. Do you know what article I'm talking about? I don't, but bet your ass I'm going to research it after this. Yeah. I want to say it's like a New York magazine or it might've been like the Gothamist, like a, you know, a, a magazine-ish like that online. Yeah. But I always remember being like, oh my God, they got it down so well of like, you're living in and of the city at all times. And you just don't have the luxury all the time to have like a mental breakdown (laughs) in your apartment. Like sometimes you're just on the street and the breakdown just needs to happen, you know? It does. And if you're living outside of New York, as many people do, and and we that live here always forget that. So I'm not forgetting the people who don't live here. Um, (laughs) Imagine every time you've ever cried in your car. Yes. That has to happen on the street here. <laughs> right. so, like, the street is our car. Exactly. It 
is. And for so long, New York had that reputation of these, um, you know, loud, uh, curse word filled phone conversations happening on the street. Like, um, and you walk past people having them and it's like New Yorkers are on phase and tourists are like, oh my God. Um, yeah. That that happens, but what really happens more often is the crying and the getting upset and the just having this moment where you feel very, very bad or alone or scared and there's just nowhere to go. Right. Absolutely nowhere to go. Like when restrooms are for customers only, so uh, is ways of emotion. Like that, yeah. you can't do that <laughs> unless you're a customer, truly. Yeah, buy a latte and then you can cry in the bathroom. That's such great advice. That's such great <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. Moving to New York, buy a latte and cry in the bathroom. I mean, so much of this conversation I want printed on a t-shirt. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, how about you? What is what do you hate about being single? Um, what do I hate? Am about I allowed being to ask? Single? Of course, you're allowed. You're allowed to ask me anything. Okay. Um, what do I hate about being single? I'm thinking. You know, I <laughs> I genuinely enjoy it. So, um, it's it's hard. It, it, it's hard for me to pinpoint them, but I'm I'm gonna get to one. Um, well, can I plug another one of your articles, which is the article that I found you through? Absolutely. Okay, so the article that of yours that I feel that I identify most with is the um, coffee table article. Oh, yeah. being single as a DIY. And when I read that, I was like, I was literally crying, reading it, being like, oh so, my God. So was I, Marissa. So was <laughs> I. Um, That's my, what you hate about single, about being single from my perspective, but I don't want to feed you answers. No, you, thank you for doing that because I also, um, yeah, I've, I've talked about my least favorites a lot lately. So coming up with all my least favorites is really causing some, you know, brain dig to happen. And I, I like this. I like digging into this stuff too. Um, yeah. There was a period where I was doing sort of like an Ikea cleansing of my apartment and also mm-hmm. getting rid of all those pieces, but they had to be replaced. Like the day that you can set your lack coffee table on the curb is a very big moment in the life of um, a renter. Yes, yes but you have to replace the bitch and uh-huh. I'm not going to replace it with another lack. So I went to target and got this really cute, um, you know, mid-century coffee table. That I'm actually sitting at right now. And um, I bought it online and I picked it up in store because there are issues with delivery to my apartment that I'll talk about on another episode. Um, yeah. So I go to target and the woman like shoves it out of this closet she shoves it to me and she goes, baby, how are you going to get this home? <laughs> and I mean, the box was taller than me. Yeah, it was of course. really heavy. And I just shrugged my shoulders and said, I'll figure it out. Because, you know, it was like the third or fourth big piece of furniture that I had brought um, upstairs. It was certainly the heaviest. And I was about to find that out. Um, but I literally just dragged it into an elevator. I dragged it to a lift. I dragged it to my front door. And I shoved it northward up four flights of stairs one stair at a time mm-hmm. and in the end I was really bruised and really sweaty and really upset and yeah. I realized like how much weight both physically and emotionally speaking like how much it takes now to make me really upset about being single yeah. um, but that did it that yeah. absolutely did it because there was just um again it's it's not the 
it's not the big things. Like if I needed to move, I have friends I can call. Um, if I was, you know, if I got broken into heaven forbid, and I felt really alone and scared, I have friends I can call for sure. But it's those little tasks that you don't want your life to have to revolve around someone else's schedule. You just want to yeah. do what you need to do when you need to do it. And when you're doing it alone, you are going to run into situations like shoving a heavy ass coffee table up so many flights of stairs that you just want to, you know, physically and emotionally let it all out because it's, it's really tough and it's really hard. Um, so yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah. Moment because that's, that's a really, that's, that's a really honest answer for me. That's, that's for sure. One of the hardest things. <laughs> yeah. And what I love most about that article was sort of talking about the flights of stairs as different stages of like grief of grief I guess and I don't know how to like, but I'm like it's so real because I used to, when I was in New York I lived in a fourth floor walk-up so I, there are so many times when I did exactly what you were talking about which is like you know either whether it be like coming home from a month-long trip for work and I have three massive suitcases to get up a fourth floor walk-up by myself in the middle of the night or you know something for my kid whatever so like but it's like, you are really like at the bottom of the stairs on the first flight, like I can fucking do this. Like I can do it. But then slowly your spirit gets broken down yeah. each step you climb. And I think yeah. you capture that in such a fantastic way. So thank you. Oh my God. Yeah. The, the coffee table broke me. It really did. And you know, the, the <laughs> biggest, the biggest bitch of it is after I got it home and I put it together, it was way too big for the room. And no. I was just like, you know what? No, it isn't. It, that's perfect. That's a perfect it's gonna work. The rest of my life revolves around this coffee table now. Yeah, um, we're going to make it work for sure. Oh, absolutely. So I want to ask you one last question. Uh, flip side of that, what is your favorite part of being single? Um, my favorite part of being single, I have to say, is the freedom. And it's it's the thing that you were just talking about, which is like not having anyone's schedule affect what you want to do. So just a few weeks ago, I um, had to take a last minute trip to the Middle East, which is my dream. I um, So I had for various reasons, I had to go there. But at the same time, I was able to so I had to get it rally very quickly to like, okay, like, pack your bags, get your passport, get on that fucking plane. Um, but yeah. at the same time, I have a friend who has lived in Dubai, for five or six years now. And I've always meant to visit him. Never thought I was going to be able to visit him before he moved back to the US later this year. So it was just this kind of like spontaneous thing that was brought up to me. I packed my bags really quickly, got on the plane and was in the Middle East. Like, and it's the kind of and then very quickly was able to rally to see my friends on before I came back to the US. So it's things like that. Like if I had a partner, I don't know, like if that would have been as easy, like the logistics of that. Um, yeah. And like the guilt freeness of that, just like yeah. jaunting out the door and not worrying about what somebody else needs or what their schedule is or what, you know, whatever is going on. It's just, there is an immense, immense amount of freedom to being single that um, I don't want to take for granted for one second, because eventually you know, there's going to be less of that. Eventually I am going to be in a relationship. And so is anybody else that wants to be, and that, there is going to be a balance. I think we'll get things in return, but I feel like for now, enjoying every single ounce of that freedom is is kind of my favorite hobby. Oh my God. It, it's incredible. Or like I was saying, like sometimes again, this is the last minute for work, I'll have to pack my bags in a moment's notice and then fly to New York and be there for two months. 
Yeah. And like, if you're in a relationship, you can't fucking do that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, maybe you can, but it's going to fuck your shit up. Like, so I don't know. So there's things like that where I'm, if, if I'm ever in a relationship, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to have to deal with that then that I'm, and I'm a little bit nervous about what that looks like moving forward, but I have to say, I love the freedom so much of just doing and, and just doing whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it doesn't exist when there's another person in your life. And I'm going to, I'm going to miss being selfish, I guess. So am I, I'm also really going to miss starfishing. I think um, that's starfishing. Uh, starfishing is when you take up the entire bed, Marissa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought we were literally talking about like going fishing for starfish. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Okay. Yes, absolutely. That's what I'm going to miss the most. It actually gives me like anxiety sometimes when I think about like one day you're going to have to scoot the fuck over. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't understand how that we're, we're going to have to have separate rooms. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know what we're going to do about this um, because I just, I love my space in every sense of the word. So um, yeah. um, I can't thank you enough for chatting with me today. It's been a real pleasure to actually connect with you instead of just DMing each other. This has been a real joy. Oh, I know. It's so exciting to finally hear your voice. I know. Same. I'm so glad we did this. Thank you so, so much. And I will. um, So yeah, let's, where can people find you? Okay. So you can find me on all socials at Marissa Conqueso. That's Marissa with one R and two S's. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And my YouTube channel is Marissa Conqueso, but it's called Video Killed the Rodeo Star. So please follow me. I would love to have you and get to know you. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Single Serving Podcast, and many thanks to my guest, Marissa Diaz, for joining me. You can follow her on social media. That information will be below in the show notes. And if you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe to it and also leave a review. That's a pretty big deal in terms of showing your support, and I genuinely appreciate it. You can also join a private Facebook group for this podcast called A Single Serving Podcast, and I'm on Instagram as well. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next Monday.